is God's design. I dare say, no one here I'd say that's born again or saved got saved without someone telling you about Jesus. And 99 times, once in a while, you, I've had a couple of people tell me they were watching Christian television and got saved, but uh, uh, 99 times. And so, So one of the dynamics is, is a personal witness, a personal evangelism, a personal witness. This is where you personally, they can look at you, they see you're real. Now it's not just theology, it's not just some preacher, but it's you as a real individual, especially if they know you, if you're family, or if you work with them, or your classmates, or they've had a chance to see your life to some degree, and you witness to them, this is God's means of saving souls. God can do all kinds of things. And He has in the past. He used a donkey one time to speak to a man and rebuke him. And, you know, God's, God's done different things in different times, but those are very rare. By and large, He uses people. I got saved because one, my wife witnessed. I saw her change when she got saved and saved about six months before me. Another man who, who was her pastor came to my house and talked to me a little bit. I told you a story, knelt down the floor, prayed for me. And another guy, Dion Thompson, had witnessed to me. And, uh, but it's the speed, the conviction of God that traffics with that speed of what you're speaking. That's critical. And so, if you don't witness, uh, people go to hell. He's a guy there, and we're going to look at some scriptures. Today. And so, uh, uh, I want to uh, uh, read uh, Genesis 2. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis 4, verses 9 and 10. Here's the story of Cain. Uh, then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the dead. Now we know there's a lot more there than just witnessing. Uh, but my, my thought and my challenge uh, is uh, uh, these words Am I my brother's keeper? This word keeper uh, means to guard, to watch over, uh, to care for, to preserve. Am I my brother's keeper to have his future interest at, 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 at stake? I'm concerned about his future, is the thought in Hebrews. He's saying uh, uh, in, in Genesis 2.15. I need someone to get for me Genesis 2.15, Matthew 16, uh, 20. Uh, who gets Genesis 2.15? Adam, you got it, Genesis 2.15. Uh, Matthew 16, 26. Right, if you get that, Matthew 16, 26. Uh, uh, George Jr., uh, Mark 8, 36. So, and so, uh, uh, this word to keep is the same. Uh, Jesus, the good shepherd, went after the one that was lost and returned it. Uh, it's, uh, it's the shepherd's heart. It's, in Genesis 2, 15, it's the tending of a garden uh, because of the fruit later. The return down the road, the future. Uh, you read that for me, Adam, Genesis 2 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him 
regarding the healing to stand and keep it. The stand and keep it. So, uh, here, Cain uh, uh, is using this statement, uh, am I my brother's keeper? Do I have to be concerned uh, about where he's at, what's happening to him, what's his future? So, let me ask you, uh, what, because this, this carries the weight of responsibility. God's saying to Cain, uh, he asked him, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Do I have a responsibility when it comes to my family, my brother, my sister, my children, parents, grandparents? Or, and Jesus, before, said to your neighbor, and so, uh, do you have a plan for the salvation of your family? It has to be with you. Have you ever asked God, what do you expect of me? What do you require of me as a Christian when it comes to the eternal souls of my family? Do you see eternity? When you're raising your children, do you see their souls? In other words, how do you relate to life when it comes to, am I my brother, my sister, my sister, am I their people? How do you relate to that? How do you process that as a Christian? Sometimes I ask people, how's your family? Oh, they're doing the same thing. And they'll say, well, they're working. Or, yeah, they got married. Or, they're staying out of trouble. And that's all well and good, but you can get married, work, and stay out of trouble and go to hell. In other words, if we're not careful when it comes to, to, to family or people we know uh, or neighbors or, or co-workers or business relationships, if we're not careful, we live life and someone eludes us this thing, am I keeping them? Am I responsible? Am I taking responsibility not just for where they are today, but where they'll be tomorrow, even in two Do you raise your children with eternity or your, your parents or your loved ones or uh, brothers or sisters. Matthew 16, 26. Well, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And so we read that, but do we live with that revelation? What profit shall it be? If a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, not, not the, the whole world, we're thinking about he gains all of these wonderful experiences, he makes tons of money, he has accolades by his name, he's a professional, he, he has the applause of people. Uh, I could go on and on. Uh, he's. Uh, Gains the whole world, all of it the world. What profit is it if he gains all of that 
loses his soul. Now that's God's mind. God's mind is what good of, is all of that if they die and go to hell? What, what's the purpose of it? What's the advantage? Life is but a vapor. The older you get, the more you realize that. Life is but a vapor. Mark 8, 36. What will it cost man Okay, so, so what, what is the world to you? When you look at other people and their property, or you, maybe you ask yourself this morning, uh, what am I, or it says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Are you opting out to the lie if I can just have this experience? If I can just have this thing happening in my life, if I can obtain this, if I can possess this, in this, I'm willing to exchange my soul. I'm willing to cash in my soul, eternity with God, heaven with this. And when we view other people, do we see someone, and if they're well off in the eyes of the world, in our mind, uh, God only the witness to them. They're doing okay. Or instead, uh, God made a powerful statement in this text when he, when he responds. Cain says, Am I my brother's keeper? Listen, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. We know he killed his brother, but there's more here. Let me ask you a question. I wonder how many people their blood cries out from hell because we felt no responsibility to it. Wonder how many people like it. Turn with me to Ezekiel 13, 17. I wonder how many people they, they cry out from hell. We know the rich man cried out from hell. Then Lazarus, with some cool water to touch my tongue, I thirst, I'm in agony in this place. He cried out from hell. The one account we have in the Bible, someone spoke out of hell. He, then he said, he said, well, Lazarus, in this lifetime, he did that was right. He lived for God. You lived for yourself. There's a great boy. He can't come over to you. And then he makes an interesting statement. This tells me Lazarus must have witnessed to him. I may deal with this next week. Uh, because he said, well, then tell Lazarus to go. I have five brothers still living. Go tell them. Don't come to this place. Go tell them. Don't come to this place. Here's a guy in hell, and he understands the value of witnesses to his family. Go tell my brothers. But in our text, um, God says, listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. I want to read Ezekiel 3, 17 to 21. And so listen carefully. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. 
When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give them no warning, nor seek to warn the wicked from his wicked ways, to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But listen, here's a, here's a copy of what can God say to But his blood, I will require to have. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. In other words, your hands are clean. Verse 20. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, I lay a stumbling block before him. He shall die because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. Come out the backslide. But his blood I will require to him. It's talking about a righteous man turns from his righteousness, begins to commit iniquity. I lay some God said, I deal with him in this and that. But you did not give him warning, he shall vanish, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. Verse 21, Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous uh, should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning, also you have delivered your soul. Now here's a statement, there's several statements, and of, a, of, of, of our responsibility. God says, you have, you know, he's, he's speaking to people who know God. Cain knew God. He's speaking to people. He said, you know, you know this is wrong. You know this is sin. You know this is ungodly. You know this is iniquity. You know this is going to send him to hell. And you don't warn him, well, he's going to go to hell anyway, but his blood will be on him. Same thing he told Cain. Uh, he said, the, the blood of your brother cries out to me. The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me. So, would you call yourself a witness? I need someone to get for me in Matthew 22. I mean, uh, just stop and think of this. Do I witness? Am I a witness for Jesus Christ? Do I witness? Very simple question. Do I witness for something? Do I witness where I work? Do I, do I witness uh, at the school, the university? Do I witness to the neighbors? Do I go do I go on outreach? Do I witness for something? Do I tell people about Jesus? Uh, you hear me many times. People get saved. I tell them, you need to do four things. Read your Bible, pray, come to church, and tell people about Jesus. And I'll quote that verse. He said, if you'll confess me before men, uh, or I'm sorry, he said, uh, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. But with the heart you believe unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, uh, really, can you even be saved if you don't tell somebody about Jesus? That, that's the mark of salvation. And so, would you call yourself a witness? You, you witness for Jesus. You're a witness. Would, would you? Uh, on our, is there blood on your hands? 
or the tragedy sometimes when people come to me and they would say a tragic death and, and they had a chance to witness them and do them and they would come and they would be angry and But, I, but would you call yourself a soul winner or a witness? Now, Jesus faced people. All we can do is go to speak. But, but would you say, I, I witnessed. I witnessed at work. I, in the beginning of this class, I talked about uh, what if someone came where you were? And uh, uh, you're, you're working there. You've been working there for a number of years. And one day your wife shows up. And, uh, and she comes and she runs up. Hello, honey. I stopped by to see you and the kids. Are, I need you to make some money or something. And they all look at you really angry. Who is this Or your husband shows How would you feel at that point? That's the same with Jesus. You say you love him. You say you have a relationship with him. You say he changed your life. But you never tell anyone. What is the Bible? Who can quote the scripture? What does the Bible say? Anybody know the gospel? You would like I started to quote it one of those. Anybody? And you smell the soul from the email. Came in early this morning, and it was filled with prayer. Jesus said what? If you're what? If you confess me before men, then there's a spiritual dynamic that kicks in. I confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. Let me ask you, do you have excuses when it comes to witnessing? What are they? What's your excuses? I had a fantastic outreach yesterday. Uh, the, the fellowship hall, they were wrapped all the way around three sides of the fellowship hall. Fantastic. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, here's George Rose Sr. He, he's a grandfather from Barry Street. Uh, legally blind, I think. He's there on that If you don't witness somewhere, you have to build the theology of your teachers. So I want to I want to stop right here and 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 and, 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 and I need uh, uh, someone to get from Luke fourteen eighteen to twenty. Who get that from? Luke fourteen eighteen to twenty. Uh, Luke fourteen eighteen to twenty. Wait just a minute. So so let me let me so so let me ask you. Wonderful thing about Sunday school, you get to respond and convict everybody in yourself. They know when you speak. And so, uh, uh, what's your If you don't witness, if you always have, and I understand sometimes when I think that, 
But, uh, uh, I mean, as I said yesterday, here's George Rose Sr., uh, he's, I think, any legally blind, he's legally blind, he's legally blind, and he's on outreach. So it's, it's hard to use the physical amen. I think that's someone needs it. <laughs> and so, um, so, um, so what are the excuses? Because any time you don't want to do something, if you don't want to tithe and give, if you don't want to tithe and give, we've heard testimonies for the last couple of months, people, then you have to build a theology of excuses. If you don't want to pray, if you don't want to reach, if you don't want to come to church, if you don't want to be faithful to the house of God, if you don't you have to build a theology that you can live because you have to live with you. And, and to live with you, you have to justify uh, your relationship with God. So what are some of the excuses anyway? Yes, You know, why would you, what would be an excuse why I don't witness? And that's one of them. So, you know, I think sometimes there would be uh, it's fear. You know, it's fear of rejection. Okay, fear of rejection. Okay, tell me about it. We mean being lazy. What's that mean? You lazy when there's money involved. When you go to work and you got a business or a job or are you lazy then? Raymond, you your hand up. I think for me, when I first got saved, uh, you know, I would hear people next to me witnessing it, and I, I didn't know what to say. So I think uh, for somebody like myself, when I first got saved, I didn't know like, how to witness or how to introduce the conversation. So I think for a lot of people, they just don't know people or whatever, they don't know what to say. Okay, and so that's why your testimony is powerful. The moment you get saved, you have a testimony. Now that means that uh, this is the way I was, Jesus saved me, and this is what he's done for me. I got saved immediately. Uh, Jack Daniels went drugs, the alcohol went, uh, I went home uh, almost immediately, I broke all the old... Red Zeppelin and all the uh, crazy stuff in those days uh, busted it a few of years old. And uh, uh, it wouldn't matter if it's heroin or what it is, and then as I moved along. But, but that was my testimony. And, and I felt joy and peace. It was good to have peace in mind. I'll wake up all crazy and lose things. And that's the testimony. I did it. So what, what are, uh, uh, and so lazy, you, you're, you're lazy when it comes to God. Yeah. God's going to buy that. Go ahead. So I'm going to make this 
statement with the assumption that everybody here is born again. Okay. So one of the things that I've noticed in the church world, the reason they don't witness anymore, the indoctrination of elected doctrine, the five-point calendar, things like that. But God knows the end from the beginning. He knows he's going to go to heaven. What's the point? They may not say that, but what ends up happening is that they accept this demonic theology, and then what that does is kick them off the hook. I can just be religious. I can do whatever I want. I can do my thing, but why should I witness? Because God knows he's going to go to heaven. Yeah, and we don't believe in Calvinism. We don't believe in that that's the eternal security. It's a doctrine. Anyway, uh, yeah, if, if, uh, if it doesn't matter, then why wouldn't it? Uh, someone else, George Union, Brad. I think sometimes few people know if they witness, especially those close at hand, they might have to give up some things to actually live. You know what I mean? Like if they're not living right, they're still doing things that are right, yeah. they might have to give up what people consider what they've been doing. Yeah, sometimes your own conviction. Shut your mouth. In other words, you're living in secret sin, or uh, you're playing games with God, and that dilutes boldness. It's like when you first get saved, it's powerful, and you begin to witness, you begin to take it for God, you begin to go for God, then uh, you're stirred, um, and then as you, uh, and God kicks a bunch of things off, and you begin to move along, God deals with other things that are far deeper. If you don't deal with them, sometimes you begin to, it's like there's a damper. It's like that there's a deterioration of fire and passion uh, that begins to move. Uh, uh, Fred? I was going to say something along the same lines of that because basically, you know, when you lose your spirit of good, it's almost like you lose some of your surprise that you care for. Yeah, so what do you do when you lose your zeal? How many of you ever lost your zeal? God's name. Over the years. Okay, what do you do then? What do you do? Now, so, so in the scripture, Jesus said, well, look, maybe it's Acts 1 8. I want you to go and be witness me. And then he said, if you've got the zeal, or if it's a good one. See, witnessing is the command. So this thing with it, with it, with Ezekiel here in 317, 320. Uh, he didn't say, uh, okay, if you've got the Deal for me. Uh, you warn them of their wicked way, and uh, that's. But if you don't feel like it, if you don't have the zeal, or you're discouraged, or you've taken a shot or a hit, uh, then no problem. The blood won't be on your hands. Uh, but he didn't say that. And much of the Bible doesn't say that. Um, it, 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 because you're, you know, life. Life is real. Amen. You heard me preaching on that. Life is real. Amen. Life is real. What I mean by that is, is there's things happen in life. You can't talk. Amen. Uh, there's uh, demonic strategies. People, people who will rip you off. And people, I uh, just got a call from one of our pastors uh, uh, on the foreign field. Uh, uh, not a missionary, but 
pastor there, known him uh, as a new convert, him and all of his family. And uh, they took this young Chinese lady into their home and uh, raised her pastor. They were going to put her in an orphanage. Uh, her, uh, her mother in, uh, I think, in Bangkok and her father in Hong Kong or something raised her. And now all of a sudden, she does this Italian job. And she's done all this on the street. She's a young Chinese girl. And she's going to move to and he's not saved or anything and get married. And, and he's calling me early in the morning, early in the morning, texting me. And uh, he wanted to call me, no problem. And yesterday morning, I guess it was. And he's just bummed. He said, She calls this mom and dad. How could she do this? She's in ministry in the church, on the platform. And now uh, she's going to marry this unsaved uh, Italian and move to Italy. How can she do that? I mean, I've preached it. She knows the scripture. You know, I'm not making three yoke of the unbelievers, the manner of coming. And all we what is life to do with darkness and righteousness and unrighteousness. How can we walk together except they do? I mean, she, and he said, How can she do this yet? Well, that's what people do. Amen. That's what people do. Man. Sometimes you have bad, uh, 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 before your life into people. Uh, there's some kind of physical things that hit you, demonic things that hit you, etc. But at the end of the day, it doesn't say any of that matters. It says, listen, the blood, if you don't warn them, the blood is going to be on your hands. Warn them if they're unsaved and you warn them of their wicked ways and they and they go ahead and go to hell, God says, that's on them, but the blood's going to be on you. But if you warn them, uh, you'll be delivered. The same if they backslide, he said. If they, all their righteousness will be remembered no more. And he said, so, um, anybody else? What's some excuses? We got too lazy, uh, intimidated, uh, rejection, It, uh, and, and that's kind of what Raymond said. Uh, but uh, the power is your testimony. It's what Jesus done for me. This is how he changed me. This is what happened. Uh, and uh, a few of us are theologians. Amen. And even if you, you are a theologian, most times they'll ask some crazy questions and hold on to the Roberta. I keep up another rock and I throw it in my backpack with me. Guilt, hate, 
would there be people there that would say, oh, you're going to do this. They would tell me that Jesus would then tell me about the Lord. And then God bless you. 